Hey everybody, this is Matt adding a quick addendum to episode 39. I have two quick announcements for you. The first of which is that the League of Nonsensical Gamers is officially on YouTube. If you head on over to YouTube and search for us, you'll find a lot of nice video content including TIFF's Board of Education segments, a new question response segment where TIFF replies how to build a board game club, and the official live feed of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. That is right, we are officially recording this show live every week over on YouTube. So come on over, check us out, and join the conversation live on air. The second announcement I have is actually a request for fans of the show. It is officially time for BGG Golden Geek voting. One of the categories for the BGG Golden Geeks is Best Podcast. Now, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy what we were putting together, we would appreciate it if you'd be willing to vote for us for that category, Best Podcast. If you do feel kind enough to give us your vote, please be sure that you vote for the Podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. There was a mix-up where the League of Nonsensical Gamers, our board game website and club, was also added. It's not supposed to be there, so just make sure that you're giving your vote to the podcast, and we would be eternally grateful. We're not necessarily expecting much or to win, but any votes mean a lot to us, helps our show get noticed, helps us improve our product, and that's what it's all about, making the show better for you, the listener. So, I hope you enjoy episode 39, our pilot of the live show. Be sure to send any questions or comments over to us on all of our social media outlets and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me live today are my two wonderful co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Whew, we are doing it, friends. How's everyone feeling? Nervous. Yeah. This is the pilot, the first live episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, broadcasted live on YouTube, and we are hoping that it is awesome, but... Since it is the first, be sure to tell us if anything goes wrong on your end out there in the internet. So, in case you don't know who we are, or you forgot, you can find us all over the internet by searching for us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers, shooting us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com, by finding us on the BGG Guild number 2077, or going to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com, or by chatting with us on places like Twitter and Instagram. We have a really good show lined up for you today. We are going to chat about our gaming pet peeves, and then we are going to do our favorite segment, a little keep, trade, burn. But before we get into any of that... Let's chat a little bit about what we've been playing. So, Tiff, I'm going to kick it over to you, our resident sound technician. What have you gotten to the table recently? I uh, got to play Iki. I need to hear about this. That's what I was waiting for. (laughs) You don't say it right. You say it so blasé. Well, it's how I talk, Dan. I'm sorry. Um, A little enthusiasm in there. So this was a Kickstarter I backed. It came really super fast. I was really impressed with the turnaround time on it. And... It is kind of a rondelle game. I like to think of it uh, if Mac Gertz made Lords of Waterdeep and sprinkled in a little Spikerstadt, that's what this game is. So And Dan has given up hope. <laughs> it's it's okay, let me just explain it before you decide whether or not you hate it. 
Each round is a month of the year. And what you're going to be doing is you're going around this marketplace and making deals with different vendors to get money and Iki points, which it all ties into this way of life thing in Japan back then. But um, you, the first thing you do is you go on this way of life track and you get to pick in turn order how, uh, how many spaces you're going to move. So it's one, two, three, or four. Depending on the number of players, it can be different. But uh, And then you go around the marketplace, which is a giant rondelle. And each space in the marketplace has a shop, and each shop has two can have up to two vendors in it. Uh, the players build the different vendors, so on your turn you have the choice to take money or build one of those vendors. So it's kind of like the buildings in Lord of, Lords of Waterdeep. When you build one of them, you put your worker on it, and at the at certain points in the different rounds, you'll get a benefit depending on where your worker is. Every time someone uses your vendor, it moves up. Uh, your worker moves up to a different place that gives you a better reward, and eventually they move off and they retire. So I don't know. It's got some really interesting things in it. It's tough to look at just because mm-hmm. it's based on this. Uh, Japanese mural. So it's really cool looking, but it's very easy to lose, you know, where you're at, how many spaces you need to move. It's just hard to keep track of things. Um, There are two different types of meeples. There's your giant meeple that's moving around the rondelle, and then there are your worker meeples, and they look very similar. So it's it can be a little visually confusing. I like the look of it, but the other two people I was playing with did not. So I think it's neat. I would play it again. It was it it was simple to learn. It's Lords of Water Deep ish weight, maybe a little bit more complex because you also have fires that happen. So you have to plan for fires um, when they just are at a predetermined spot. And when that happens, you flip over a tile and it shows which shop is going to burn. <laughs> and <laughs> and if, if you don't have the right amount of like firefighter power, that fire spreads to the next shop and to the next shop and to the next shop until someone is able to put it out. So it can like burn down half of the shops on the board if no one's prepared for the fire. So that's interesting. We didn't have too much problem with that but yeah is that the the speaker stat element is that fire yeah kind of thing yeah because except all... in speaker stat it doesn't burn down all the stalls <laughs> right yeah and and you get the firepower at in different places on the board and there are different shopkeepers that that give you that when you build them so or make mm-hmm. them or hire them i guess but yeah okay it's interesting all right, Dan. it sounds great i reading the rule book and watching videos i did not get a Lords of Waterdeep vibe from it, but I well, guess I should play it first. When I say Lords of Waterdeep, I just mean that the the players are building the spots on the board that you can go to. So for your worker placement, the the shops that you go to have an action, but then you also get to choose from the two vendors at that shop. So depending mm-hmm. on what people have hired and put there, okay. it's Thank determined by the cool. players. Would you say that it's like the same weight as Lords of Waterdeep? I'd say it's a little bit heavier than that. I was going to say, it feels heavier. A little like bit. It's not terribly complicated. Like once you get no. once you get going, it's very it flows really easily. Are you both happy that you didn't spend $400 on a hand-carved wooden box? No, I still would have. That thing was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, from a collector standpoint, I think that would be okay. I think that would be just fine to have. 
Even I would have bought that in a shop it. in Japan. It's just that nice looking. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, this is on your top of the stack, right? So have you? You still haven't gotten to play it, right? Uh, yep. I only brought two games down this weekend with me, and one of them is Iki. One of them is Iki. Well, maybe we can get to play it, and maybe nope. we can all finish our top of the stack for the first time ever. That would be amazing. It'd be a weird month. <laughs> well, Dan, what have you gotten to play? Um, I got to play. A couple of new things, but the one I'll talk about has been on my list for a while, and that's Thebes, Thebes, the Bays. Um, <laughs> nope. Say how you want. I would definitely call it Thebes. Thebes, Thebes. Yeah, this is a this is a Queen game, Queen Games game. Um, it was out of print for a while, and then they re-kickstarted it. I think at the end of like 2014. I was playing the German version, which doesn't matter because it's language independent, but. Um, this is a game about archaeology, so naturally the reason this has been sought after by me was because it's a theme that I think my wife, the archaeologist, would get into, and another you know, cheap ploy to maybe get some more games to the table at home. Uh, it, it had some really cool mechanics in it, um, the one major one being this, this time track. So everything you do in the game uh, costs time. And as you kind of do these actions, you're advancing along this time track. Each unit of time is considered to be a week. And you're going to play X number of years. So there's 52 weeks in a year. So you have 52 uh, action points to work with. And you can use them however you see fit. But the interesting part is you have to kind of time it so that you can efficiently kind of go about collecting and then digging and sort of things. Because the mindset, at least at the initial outset of the game, is you're trying to collect these different bits of knowledge and these little assistants that are going to help you dig at some point during the year. And the way you do that is, you know, the top half of the board is like all of Europe for the most part. So your major cities, London, Paris, you know, Berlin, all those big boys. And then the bottom half is kind of where the dig sites are. And those are Mesopotamia, Egypt, like all of those kind of, you know, typical uh, Middle Eastern dig regions. And what you're going to do is as you collect these books of knowledge, those are going to give you X pools from the individual bags of the individual sites. So there's five or six sites that you can dig at and each one has its own bag with its own little chits in it and its own distribution of artifacts which are worth X points. So the more knowledge you collect in a certain site, the more you can pull from the bag and then you can set collect and get more points that way. So again, it was a really interesting um, mechanism because you, you, you're you free to do whatever you want. You can move anywhere on the board, you can do whatever, but it's going to cost you time and it's just balancing that time and all those other things. Then even at the dig sites, you know, depending on your knowledge, you can spend one through 12 time and your knowledge, there's this little spinning disc that lets you chart like how many pulls you can have. So you can spend anywhere from one to 12 weeks, but the more weeks you spend there, the more you're going to dig and pull from the bag, etc. So uh, a really cool um, little game. I liked it a lot, actually. It was like 45 minutes to an hour. One of those games you can kind of play with the family, kind of, you know, sit back and not have to be so intense about it. And, you know, I like pulling from bags. I think it's a fun little mechanic. And again, I really like the time track. Did your ploy work is the question. Oh, I, this, wasn't my game. Are you... this wasn't my game. Oh. Uh, I played this with some friends up in uh, up by where I live. So uh, I'm, I'm going to track one down. It's been on my want and trade list for a while now. So I'm going to happily keep it there because I, I think it's a good one for her yeah. and me and the family. So, quick question about that game, because I've looked at it before, too, and I've seen people say that it's really 
like luck dependent based on what you're drawing out of that bag. Oh yeah, but Tiff, I, I guess I should make this comparison because I think you would appreciate this. The bag drawing is basically New Bedford. I, I saw a huge amount of influence because in each bag, there's artifact tiles and then there's blank sand tiles. And as you pull the artifact tiles out, the sand tiles go back in. So each bag becomes uh, more scarce as far as the, the things you can pull out of it. So you have to kind of, again, time it so that, okay, someone else is maybe collecting from the Egyptian site as well. I should probably get there first so I have a better chance at pulling out the bigger numbers than that person. So yes, I you know it, it was random in that way. But again, the mitigation of... Um, building up your knowledge in those specific uh, sites, you know, and then again, pooling and when you pull, et cetera, because you can only pull from each site once per year unless you have a special action that lets you redig. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't the most strategic game. Um, I'm not going to say that, but like I said, it was a lightweight, I'd say light to medium kind of family style game that I thought would go re over really well with, with the audience's, like I said, casual family game. Cool, cool. It's not something Let I would pull out here. with like Smee and Matt and like Ben, like the four of us. That's not something I'd probably pull out with us. Do you think you could teach it to mom? Yeah, but note to self, mom beat you at Mombasa. Uh, well, we'll get to that. That's <laughs> on my list. Uh, anyway, let me jump in here with a Pandemic Legacy mini update. I'm very excited because today is the day, friends. We are getting together. We're going to finish Pandemic Legacy today. We thought we were going to finish it last session. Turns out we're dumb. Um, my biggest fear in Pandemic Legacy was that I would forget to, as kind of the leader of the game, forget to direct us to do something. Uh, we forgot to open a box, a very important box, and uh, didn't notice it until we were packing the game up. So that was interesting. If you read our What We've Been Playing blog, uh, you'll notice that it was more or less edited expletives because we all felt... <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, so we were right on the brink of finishing up Pandemic Legacy, and I'm very excited to see how it ends. Uh, I just hope that we don't do anything else dumb. So I'll have a report for that uh, next podcast. But the game that I want to chat about, I spoke a little bit about this with Tiff on last episode, but it was like before we recorded, um, and I don't think I've gotten to talk with Dan extensively about it. I, I need to talk about Grand Austria Hotel for a minute. I know you guys have already talked about it a little bit, but I finally got to play it. I played two games back-to-back. -back. This is the Euro game about running a hotel. You're gathering, you know, diplomats and fancy uh, political figures to your hotel. You are feeding them strudel and coffee and wine and things like that. Uh, and then you are giving them a nice place to sleep. And my issue is that I really liked the game, but how does a game with this much downtime get made? I, I need to know, Dan, you're design-minded. Like, how do you package and sell this game knowing that it's got so much downtime? I don't know. Um... I've said it before, I'll never play this at four player. It's just entirely too long. Yeah. And I know they've come out with an official kind of variant that lets you speed up the draft and I think it alters it a little bit, but I would never play this with four. Three and two. Two I think goes really quick, especially if you know if you got two people who know what they're doing. Uh three is it's a good clip. Again, sometimes depends on the people you're playing with. If you're playing with AP prone people, this can take forever. But if you're playing with people or just kind of you know, snap into their action. You only have two things to do, so I don't. I, think I, I don't know. think it's that yeah. much downtime. But I think I know how they marketed. <laughs> it's it's a Euro game for a new generation of people that need to check their phone a lot. <laughs> oh jeez, that's <laughs> awful. 
You're ruining me, Tiff. It gives you plenty of time to check your email, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Snapchat. You can get all of your social media in on the downtime. It's perfect. It's ridiculous. And you get an entirely new feed by the time your next turn rolls around. It's it's insane. Uh, I just, we played a three-player game with you. I played with you and Steve. It took a solid amount of time. And then we played a four-player game the next day, and it took the same amount of time. Yeah, again, it depends on who you're playing with. I think there's some AP-prone people that can just take their good old time with it because there's a lot that it's not a lot but there's things that change from turn to turn you know what dice are available um the people that are coming out the customers um things like that but again not a lot changes so i know i have my turns where i am caught between two things but it's not that i haven't thought about those two things in the downtime it's just i'm like which one do i want to do and i struggle with that but usually i'm pretty snappy with my moves or the one six though. I mean, there's a things can change, especially if, yeah. Well, so all that aside, my other question, my other tiny thing about it is, why does the extra turn card exist? Why is there that one card in the whole deck of cards that does something completely different than any other card? Why does it have a whole extra turn? And I, I hate that card because Ben got it and Steve got it, and they both got it on a four or five, so they both took three turns in a row. It's crazy. Yeah, I just, it's... I don't get why that card even exists. I don't see how it, I don't, it just doesn't fit the rest of the game. Tiff, jump in. Oh, no. Well, it's not about the extra card. I was just going to say that I think enough changes in the game that if you are an AP player, it can be a problem. I consider myself someone who is highly AP prone, and that's exactly what happened to me in the game that we played at BGGCon, where I had a plan for what I wanted to do, and then things had changed so much by the time it got to me that I w- like it hurt my brain to try to figure out a new way to do what I wanted to do. So it, if you if you have a bunch of AP people in your group, I wouldn't recommend it. And I love the game. Yeah, I I don't. The more I think about it, the less I like the drafting of act, the, the drafting mechanism, the snake draft, because that that one to eight, the you know the two to seven, those things that takes so long. And like Tiff yeah. said, like between one and eight, that's possibly you know six dice that have gone out of the game, that six customers that are gone out of the game. It's like there's no point it's in even thinking until your turn comes around. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, now what can I do? And then you have to just sit, like Tiff said, and just reanalyze everything because there's nothing you can do in the meantime. And that's kind of why I like it at the, the lower player count, to be honest with you, yeah. because yeah. you can see what they're going to do, basically. There's, you know, even that one game we played with Steve where everything fell his way, I couldn't track him because I'm too busy looking at everything else. And I just mm-hmm. was like, I couldn't prevent him from doing it. Like, it's a very solo experience. Um, yeah, but I like the gameplay. I just, I really don't like that draft. Yeah, I, I think that it would work well as a two-player game. Steve loves it at two. You know, you said it's good at two. I think that it probably would be really good at two because it, excuse me, eliminates the downtime. But my other small question before we move on, and I asked if about another game, is why don't they just do it in like a regular circular turn structure? Is there, what's the benefit of the draft? Is it just to be unique? I, I think we're getting to that point where people are just trying to stand out some way or another with a mechanic. Yeah, I just, I was thinking about if we just played this, you know, player to your left takes the next turn, why, would it change anything? I don't know. Do you think... I'm sure it's on the forums. <laughs> do we know what the variant is? I forget the um, the specifics of it. I have it bookmarked, but again, I've, I have no desire to play this at four player. Yeah, like, yeah. 
I really don't. All right. I'm just puzzled because I really did like, I, you know, I enjoyed the, the three minutes I was taking my turn were great. And then the 15 minutes I wasn't were awful. And then, you know, it was just like doing that for two hours it was weird. But let's move on. Tiff, what else have you been playing? Um, I did finally get, I ordered Karuba after you both recommended it. Excellent. So <laughs> I can see why so many people are digging it. It's, it's so simple to explain. That's the big thing for kids games, family games is just being able to get the gameplay started as quickly as possible. And it's pretty easy. And even if there is a little bit of confusion over how it's going to work, like one turn in, you're good to go. So, um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's, It was hard for the people I was playing with to kind of realize that it's just this puzzle that you're doing on your own and what the other players mm-hmm. are doing are it's not really like you're not worried about that as much. So that was a little bit, we discussed that a little bit, but otherwise I really liked it and I plan on bringing it to Board Game Club this week and see what the kids like. I hope your kids like it. I think it'll be a perfect fit for some of those kids looking for a little bit more in terms of gameplay. Yeah, I I could easily see them loving this one. And like I said, I'm always looking for something that can be taught quickly. That's the big thing because we only have an hour. So whatever we're playing has to be teaching and playable within that hour so and this is easily just done so yeah set it it up for them and flip a tile and say do you want to put that on your path or do you want to throw it away exactly so no regrets on buying that one awesome awesome dan anything else good get to your table um i had a chance to play dark moon oh really Um, oh boy where were you doing all this (laughs) this with my couple of my friends up in bel-air you play weird games with your friends in bel-air I get roped into weird games with my friends in Bel Air. I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say it doesn't choice. seem like a Dan game at all. It's not. Uh, and yeah, so Dark Moon, the BSG Express remake. It's supposed to take everything you know and love about BSG and kind of whittle it down into a 60-minute experience. Um, I'll just say this game was seven players and it took two plus hours, but seven all players. all oh. new people. So I understand how it could go a little quicker, but it's just, again, it's one of those games. The way they do it is they have, like, everyone has their own dice, and dice do certain things. They, like, they have negative and positive values on those dice, and you roll them in secret behind your player screen, and then when you're doing, like, a vote or you're pretending to fix the ship or actually fixing the ship, like, you can put out, if you put out a positive number, you succeed, but if you put out a negative number whatever's happening does not succeed or it it makes it harder to succeed but because you're rolling these dice in secret you can kind of if you are one of the quote infected people you can you know i could roll plus three plus four minus two and go oh man i don't have any positives and put out that negative too so it was it was an interesting concept i'm gonna start out by saying right now i the production quality was kind of crap i don't know why this was a 60 dollars game that's very said when she first got it right very that's why i traded it wonky player screens the dice were wooden and the pips were the not the pip, the numbers were actually the the paint was coming out of them kind of uh some people like the art i find it a bit eh, i didn't really care for it it's um, kind of nondescript space art yeah it is it's very generic that's what i would say it's like here is a dial and like <laughs> it's like i don't get it but uh gameplay wise yeah I think it was all right. Um, now, are you a fan of regular BSG? Uh, we've had this discussion, I think, what was it? Probably like 20 episodes ago. And <laughs> my first play of BSG was tainted, in my opinion. And at, you know, no one, no person's fault, but I think it was mainly the game. Just like 
the way the deck was stacked in our, you know, f towards one side or the other, and just a lot of the events didn't take place that I think make BSG interesting and tense. I think. Yeah, so nothing. Go happened. back and listen to our discussion. I'll forget what episode it is, but um, we had a really long discussion on it, and those were my initial thoughts. But I, I like the premise. I kind of like the trader mechanic is kind of hit or miss for me. I like it in some implementations better than others. And this one I thought was it was decent. Um, with a seven player game, you're playing with four good people and three infected. And it's just, again, it's just a whole game about sitting around accusing people. So that to me gets kind of boring after a while. It's funny for the first like 30 minutes. And then after that, it's like, really? I got to defend myself one way or the other. I Freudian slipped. I was actually infected and people caught that. Because my one my one gripe about the game as a first time player was like you can become you're you are either infected or unaffected that's like your status, then you can also be fatigued or unfatigued you can be quarantined or not quarantined so there's all these like keyword labels that you can be placed with, and I just I, I slipped once and I was like I'm not infected fatigued I, I was just like I don't know what I'm trying to say like <laughs> I was just like stop this like I was getting kind of bored towards the end but. It had a pretty epic finish. The infected people, myself included, won. Because you can reveal at any time. And unlike BSG, you can really... It seems like you can do a lot more damage to the infect or the uninfected people than you can in BSG with being a Cylon. But yeah, it was okay. I don't want it. I would play it maybe again. Maybe. <laughs> do, you think, do you think it captures BSG like in that express way? Like I think it, it, it definitely capt captures the whole... Uh, finger pointing aspect of BSG like you're a Cylon no you're a Cylon and I thought the dice mechanic was cool how you're like you can roll them in secret and oh I had plus four plus four minus two and then you know if I'm good I put out the plus four but if I'm bad I put out the minus two and say I didn't have any right because no one's any wiser so I thought that was interesting unless you're a bad guy and the first time ever I roll all positive numbers and I'm like oh here you go guys plus four to your cause and I'm like, yeah, look at me, I'm good. And you have to like play that off. I don't know. For me, these trader games, especially when I'm the trader, pacing, I just don't pick up on. Like, I'm like, when should I reveal? How should I do this? Should I keep them hanging on longer? I just haven't come to grips with how I need to play the game in a in a bad way, I guess. Maybe it's just because <laughs> I'm such a good guy. Aw. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I have no, no poker reveal. face. So. You reveal when you accidentally say, I'm an infected. That's when you just decide to reveal. But the thing was, like, I, I, I got back on my feet, and I actually convinced a couple people I wasn't. But Ooh. other people were just dead set on, no, he slipped. It's Freudian. I'm like, all right, whatever. And But I had, like, I had like the table split. And then finally, they're like, if you are infected, you're playing really dumbly. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm not. Because <laughs> I'm ro like, the only now downside was I was rolling all positive numbers. So I had to contribute a die in some instances, and it was always positive. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't have that aha moment where I revealed and like was like, haha, negative. <laughs> Little but, did you know, Dan Princess brided you the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like fun. I have the BSG I don't see Express. How you would play this? I don't know. Like... <laughs> With other more awkward people than myself. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it works. Like this has a Spyfall vibe to it. Like I was like, how would Tiff? Yeah, ever but there's more structure there. Spyfall is just like me relying on my wits, which I can't do. Uh, whereas this is like the dice determine some of it, and I can well, like, lie about my dice. 
I could do that. Yeah, much. but it's it's different with these types of games when people are like constantly going, "You're you're infected," you know, and people are just constantly pointing fingers, and it's like, well, you know, you want to crack, but you can't. Like, I don't know if you just, like it, cool. I just, I just couldn't like think of playing it. It just depends on who I'm playing with. Like when we played that game of Spyfall at Origins, I nearly had a mental breakdown. When I play it with my camp counselors during strings camp, we had a blast. So it just kind of depends on if I'm feeling comfortable. I will say when I open the box for uh, Dark Moon that it just loses something when it's not set in that BSG world. I wish they had gotten the IP. Yeah, yeah. that's tough though. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd rather play it than Dead of Winter. That's high mm-hmm. praise. Uh, it's not high praise because <laughs> I I would never want to play Dead of Winter voluntarily. Like, I'd rather play this in that game that I never want to play. Right, so I guess that's, <laughs> that's where I was going with that. <laughs> Good. Um, well, one last thing before we switch switch gears here. Do you think that seven players was a problem? Like, did it just work with seven players? How did that impact? That's a lot of people. Uh, it's it's a lot of people. When they're all first time, too, it's like there was a lot of clarification because while it's mechanically pretty simple, I think just wrapping your head around the whole, um, again, the social aspect of it, how, like, if I did this, what impression am I giving off? So just kind of wrapping mm-hmm. your brain around that, that part of the game, I think, was the toughest for everyone. Um, and just there's there's a lot of different actions you could take. They're all easy, but and then you get if you are infected, like you get a whole new set of actions. So like for me, like I was infected, and I'm like, and then you switch player screens. So the player screen with the infected has all the actions on it, but I couldn't see it. So I'm like, is it worthwhile to do it now? Like they were all on the other side of the table, and I could be like, hey, can I see that infected player screen real quick? Yep. So it, it's kind of like, again, like in Spyfall when like you're the spy and you're like, you want to look at that card that shows you all the locations that they could be talking about. Mm-hmm. But you got to like pause to... and be like, everyone look at your card again. Just so like people like, you know what I mean? Like exactly no awkward. Like, yeah, it's, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it is tough. Like, everyone has to be equally informed. We can move forward. Let's do that. Tiff, you got some intro <laughs> or some interlude music? I do. Hold on. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about gaming pet peeves. All right, we are back, and it is time for a little bit of discussion. We board gamers are particular people sometimes, you know? And, I mean, everyone's got pet peeves, but let's talk about some of our pet peeves from the board gaming hobby. Now, Dan, this was your idea, so I'm going to kick it to you first. Do you have any other description to add to that, or do you just want to jump right in? No, I think, like you said, like, we all have these pet peeves, whether we know it or not, like certain things that we love or hate about, um, you know, aspects of games or mannerisms of the people we're playing with or mannerisms of ourselves, like, almost like even like have some superstitions or things like that so i thought it'd just be interesting to kind of like analyze ourselves a little bit maybe some (laughs) some of the things this could probably be a two-part discussion because i think there's a lot that could be said for a a lot of different things but i thought it'd just be funny to see what we had to say all right let's do it dan what is what is your first gaming pet peeve i'm gonna start off with a a silly one because this one always irritates me and it shouldn't and it really is the most harmless thing in the world but when i'm reading a rule book and the first line i read in the setup which is usually like the first or second page after components is place the game board in the center of the table 
And I always sit there and I just look at it. I'm like, why do they need to tell me that? And then I'm like, who doesn't place it in the center of the table? <laughs> like, it's like, what? Is there like some rebel out there that's like, no, this is going slightly skewed on the left. <laughs> like, it's like, like, but where know. do I put my pieces? There's no board. Oh, yeah. wait. It's I put in the it center. <laughs> It's just like your North Star. It's like just in case you're looking down at your phone and when you look back up, the board is in the center. Do not worry. (laughs) Follow the board to your promised land. Put the board equidistance. Make sure everyone's comfortable with how close they are to the board. I, I just it just makes me laugh because it, it's so specific in like place the game board in the center of the table and I'm like you know what I'm not I'm not doing that I'm putting it slightly off and I'm gonna put it maybe a little bit more to the south like <laughs> it's one of those things it's like a it's like a CYA for those particular nitpicky people who are like you didn't tell me to put the game on game on the table. I... I could never game with anybody who said, why isn't the board in the center of the table? Like, just, I would like, no, we're done here. We're done here. <laughs> I'm going to play Dead of Winter. Like, they need to put, like, punch out the tokens. You're like, oh, I didn't know. I, I thought we just played with these sheets of money. I wasn't aware I was supposed to punch them out and hand them to people. Yeah. Sorry. Prior to the game, no, I opened got the pack of cards. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Just yeah, a... I don't know how to deal them out. They're still in plastic. No one told me to open it. You want to shuffle but... these? Uh I don't know. You didn't open them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Well, anyway, although pandemic legacy, you have to be very careful. Don't open things that they don't tell you to. Yeah. Or I mean, open the legacy game. To. Yeah, that's I've seen that. That makes sense. But yeah. put the board in the that's center cool. of the table, people, so they don't have to write it in the book. In the book. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff. Um. Pet peeves. This is hard for me because when I thought about all of this, most of my pet peeves are things that other people do that annoy me during the course of gaming. So I just apologize in advance to all of my friends who I'm talking about right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dish it, Tiff. Well, okay. So you here's... want to put names up on the screen for everyone to see? <laughs> Maybe contact information? Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of like some, some of these things are going to be, people are going to know it's them. And don't feel bad. I know that that's just you. And I'm sure there are things that I do that annoy you. So it's fine. I just realize that this is a peeve of mine is the people that constantly shuffle their hand i can't stand that and especially like a magic player does like yes all the time? and yeah. they they are usually magic players they just constantly are shuffling their hand and especially when it's my game i'm like you're putting wear and tear on my cards unnecessarily like being that collector type i'm like oh especially if they're oh, black sleeve, border too. cards oh i don't sleeve and and i tell people that like i don't sleeve so wash your hands and don't over shuffle like i don't care how you're shuffling my game to get started like if i ask you to shuffle a deck go ahead and riffle shuffle the crap out of it but don't yeah. sit there and shuffle your hand for two hours just drives me nuts tiff brings a wash basin to the side of the table <laughs> it's like everybody rinse yeah. and now hand sanitizer hey that's <laughs> i lotion, lotion. <laughs> That's one of our board game club rules. They have to go down and wash their hands before they can play. That's well, are your kids, friends kids that you play sticky. with on game night sticky too? Listen, guys. <laughs> I don't know. They're all kids at heart. Who knows? And if so, who are they, Tiff? <laughs> I'll, I'll put a list of names in the show notes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm going to build off of that, um, and I'm going to quickly touch on something, and then I'm going to go to the chat because we have a question in the chat room. Building off of cards, this is something that, one, I, I, a gaming pet peeve of mine that's hard to enforce. I like 
to ask people how I should shuffle their cards. Because depending on the deck and the de depending on the type of cards, I shuffle different ways. For instance, a game like Chimera, which you need to shuffle every hand, and that the cards are nice, I go ahead, riffle shuffle them, do whatever you got to do. But a game that, you know, is doesn't have sleeves on it, or a game where the there's, you know, there's only like 10 cards, just go ahead and pile shuffle them. Real nice, like that. I like to ask and be asked, can I just shuffle these however, or do whatever I want? Or, you know, I don't like when people just grab cards and they're like, bridge shuffle, look at me do magic tricks with the cards, and I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, great, now they're all, they're all bent. And building off of that, Ben used to have a habit, and I'm going to pick on Ben for a minute, and Dan knows about this. Ben used to have a habit of putting down cards with a by bending the corner. That's my next pet peeve. <laughs> snap the corner down. Not and not bad, but Cal does it too. Yeah. It. Oh God, it's awful. It's awful. Go ahead, Dan. Talk about it because I can't handle no, it. No, I mean Ben, I love you. Cal, I love you too. You'll soon be in the family. Um, but yeah, I, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are playing cards. They like put it down and then they're like. Bend it and place it down. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, my card, oh my god, it's my just, card. Okay. Like, and you can see I, it like as it bows back down slowly, yeah. and you're like, oh, and then, oh, it's screaming. And then the as card. it sits on the board, it's doing this like seesaw banana thing because <laughs> it's like in the shape of a canoe now, and you're like, oh my god. And you're like sitting there, and like I'm like I'm like scratching my legs, like the skin is coming off. I'm like, oh my god, my game. <laughs> It's so bad. Yeah. Ben doesn't do that anymore. I'll have to have a talk with Cal. <laughs> We're not married yet, so I need to make sure that that's a thing before we Get commit a forever. I need to... Can you demonstrate shuffling and placing these cards on this board correctly before we uh, before we do this? Put it in um, the vows. So Robert Johnson asked... He has a question that kind of hits on peeves, and I might actually build off this with one of my peeves. It's, he said, do you ever feel bad when you don't understand a new game, or are you annoyed the game isn't understandable? So... Does that does that hit any notes for anybody? Because I have a yeah. way that I can build off of that. I mean, let's just let's just use Matt as an example, and then I'll use myself as an example. Oh no! So Matt, whenever he makes a bad move in a first play, he always goes learning. Like, and we all know <laughs> he does it, and we all know it's a learning game, so we just laugh at it. He does that. Me, I I do something similar, except I'm just like, oh, well, I get this. Because for me, like a first play, I'm not looking to win it. I'm looking to see how the systems are playing on each other and working and interconnecting. And I'm not the type of player who can pick up on that right away. And our buddy Smee is. And you'll oh, see, yeah. and he'll be the first to admit it. He will win a first play like 75% of the time and lose the second play 75% of the time because the rest <laughs> of us... Just take that first play to kind of let it simmer and click and all those things. Um, yeah. But it always la I always laugh because when I do something like that, Matt goes, oh, God, he's going to use this as an excuse. And Matt goes, learning, and we're all like, oh, that's Matt's excuse. So we, <laughs> yeah. we all do it. It's just one of those it's things. True. It's true. As much as you don't want to lose, like I'm, I'm much more okay losing in one of those kinds of games. Tiff, any, any feelings on that? Well, the only time I really feel bad about that is at conventions. I, and this will tie into one of my pet peeves later, but... Sometimes I have a hard time following rules because I'm sleep deprived or, I, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on. So I get distracted and I miss something. Now, normally after the rule explanation is over at a con, if you're gaming with me, this will happen. I will be like, can I see that rule book? Because I have to go back and, and find the things that I missed because oh, I will miss things. I hate things. those words. Yeah, I, it, it's not to check. In my case, it's not to check rules because I hate that too. Yeah. But it's because I, I know I missed something and I'm 
embarrassed to ask you to repeat it because I don't want to make you do uh, that. I so uh, I do feel bad because that happens a lot to me at conventions. Now, in my normal game group, it's not usually a problem, but yeah. yeah. So to build off of that, one of the things that I dislike, and this is a pet peeve of mine, I've got this written down, and Tiff actually just reminded me of another one. Man, I'm feeling <laughs> whiny today. So I said, this could be like a two-part conversation. Yeah. One of my pet peeves is when a player checks out in the middle of my rules description and then gets upset that they missed something during the game. Amen, brother. <laughs> so Preach it. Someone's on their phone. Someone, and this particularly happens with Dan, not Dan, sorry. Dan's always on his phone. Uh, Biff and Kel don't like long rules explanations. You get about two and a half, three minutes with them, and if you haven't explained the game, they're gone. <laughs> Biff, in, in particular, starts saying, can we just start the game, guys? And I have to say, I would love to, but if I don't explain this to you, in 20 minutes, you're going to yell at me because you didn't know how to do that or that you could do that. And that's what drives me insane is that I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm taking my time. I'm being careful to, to help you through this game. You're mad at me because it's taking too long. And then in the middle of the game, you're like, I don't like this game because I didn't know I could do that. Well, if you listen to my rules explanation. Anyway, sorry. Take a breath. <laughs> Well, my, my next one has to do with rules explanations, too. So Go for it, Tiff. Just Build right off of it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the this happens a lot in my middle school board game club because uh, middle schoolers are intensely impatient. And because I'm a teacher, I really have a huge aversion to being interrupted because I never get to complete a full sentence. Like, that's never happening in my lifetime. Uh, so I hate people that interrupt rules explanations. Like, and, and the answer is always, I'm getting there. Like, yeah. just assume. Or I'll show you that in a second. Like, if after, if I'm like wrapping up and I'm like, and that's the game, then you can say, well, what about this? But if I'm like mid-sentence in a rule explanation, I'm, I'm probably going to explain it if you have a question about it. Like, have a little <laughs> faith. And the same thing with my students. Like, have a little faith. Have I ever not explained the full thing to you? Anyway. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like, please hold your questions to the end. All questions are valid, but give me a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, Dan, anything else on your list? I got one more. Well, I got a few more, but I'm going to use this one. Okay. Um, I I really hate when uh, markers in the game, so cubes, discs, anything like that, don't fit their assigned space on a track or <laughs> a place on the board. Like, oh, it just annoys me beyond belief. It's like... Uh, yeah, so you put a, so let's take Grand Austria Hotel, because we just talked about that. The, they give you a giant disc to put on your square money track, and it covers, like, the, the money you're on, as well as, like, half of the two yeah. <laughs> on either side of it, and you can't see it all the time. Things like that. So it's like, you know, just a little bit more the thought in the size of the pieces on especially like score tracks too. Like that's the biggest thing. Like I love Takedo, but man, those I remember those tiny little pieces you had to move on that score track. The little like, tiny Whoa. circles. Yeah, they were yeah. smaller than the Tic Tacs. Well you guys and... saw my tweet about Flock, right? Did you see the score oh, track for Flock? That was that you was have... For the listeners, you have little bird-shaped tokens that you're putting on tiny squares that aren't that are smaller than those birds. So it's a mess, and it's impossible to tell where you are score-wise. So you're not invested in the game at all because you have no idea where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are you guys liking the game? I don't know. I don't know how well I'm doing. That's exactly how I felt. You're gonna have a problem with Iki too. It has a little bit of that going on. Oh yeah, yeah. it's just one of those things like. And then other games do it so well. It's like every little 
bit has a perfectly sized place for it. And some of them are like overly OCD, which for me, it's awesome because I'm the type of guy who like rearranges his pieces yeah. and has to have them in perfect order. And my trains all have to line up, you know what I mean? Like face the right direction. Like I can't have one train going to Chicago, one going down to Texas. Like that's not going to work. Like that's not real. Trains don't operate that way. <laughs> no, Dan, how did you feel about Mombasa, which went above and beyond and has coins, which are the same thing in two different shapes to fit the two different types of spaces Mombasa that they go funny. That, that was silly. Like, I didn't understand it because the, the coins that go on the, the book space were giant. And then the coins in the game for the same value were, you know, regular coin size. I don't understand why they didn't just shrink the spaces on the book area to a regular coin size. <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand that decision, but And we're back. All right, we are back. One of my biggest pet peeves, technical difficulties. It was so, bound to happen on the first live show. That's okay. This is why we test. But we had a few techno technical difficulties, but we are officially back and we are gonna jump right into our favorite segment here on Pong. Keep trade burn and in case you don't know what that is that means that we are about to give each other three games hand selected curated that we love and enjoy and that person is going to have to decide to keep one to burn one and to trade one away forever it's a lot of fun trust me not for us though <laughs> so let's kick it off before dan's computer gives up again <laughs> Dan, uh, go ahead and choose someone to give a keep trade burn to. Let's start this one off with a bang. I'm going to give Matt a oh, themed keep trade burn. Oh, yeah? Kickstarter games that have not arrived, but you are, when they arrive, you must choose their fate. Ew, when they arrive? Yes, when they before arrive. Before I get to open them? Before you even get to touch them. Ew. Okay. You have to do what Tiff does and just let them sit in the corner. <laughs> Until you either burn them or give them away. Okay. Um, the one you have to keep, you can play with. So I'm going to go with Scythe, Conan, and Apotheca. Those are like the only three games I don't have right now. Damn. Those are the only three games you're currently backing. Yes, this is true. Yes. <laughs> I think I got Nemo's War on the way too, but that's a ways, that's a ways off. Uh... See, I had a feeling once you said Kickstarter that this was going to happen. You know, we've got Scythe and, you know, some of the best artwork of the year, probably. We've got Conan, which has mountains of plastic. I believe in my last uh, my last long list on the website, I talked about j diving into my Conan miniatures like Scrooge McDuck. That was the plan. And Apotheca is just an awesome game. Probably the best game of the three, if I had to bet. Um, uh, okay. So I have to keep one, I have to trade one, I have to burn one. The other problem is that Scythe and Scythe and Conan each cost me over $100. So I'm burning money as well. Uh, okay. Man, maybe this won't be great live. We'll see about that. Um, <laughs> I am going to... I really want to play Conan. All right. No keep trade burn would be good without exceptions. So I am going to burn Apotheca because I have the review, the preview copy that they sent to us. So that's going to be my Cheating. scapegoat for that one. Cheating. Cheating is the way that you survive keep trade burn. I am going to trade away. See, I should trade away Conan because you have a copy coming, but you are going to sell it and you won't play Scythe. So I will. I will play Scythe. I want to play it. I want to try it. Well, you want to play it so that you can be like. I'm not yeah, craving it like others. Like Euphoria Ducks. Uh, I just want to see what all the hype is about. That's all. I will 
I'm going to go with value. Bang for your buck. I'm going to trade away Scythe because I, God, that hurts. But that also means that I'm trading away the art book that I bought for Tiff for Christmas. That's not so cool. I'm taking her yeah. down with me. So trade away Scythe. And I will keep Conan because I have faith in it. And there's so much plastic. And because I've waited this long, I would hate to just give it away after waiting an extra year for it to show up. I think I'm good with that for now. All right. All right. Who's next? Well, I, I'm going to go ahead because that was rude. Uh, Tiff, oh, no. I have, I have a special keep trade burn for you. Uh, my goal here on the live show is to divorce you from front, from some of your favorite designer friends. No. This is a Kickstarter themed, best friend themed keep trade burn. <laughs> okay. And I went with equal weight games. Oh dear. So small box games. Do you keep trade burn the Fleeples, Fleet, Fleet Wharf side? Okay. Matt Wolf's Avalanche of Yeti Mountain or Daryl's Bottom of the Ninth? Well, <laughs> pick your favorite designer friend. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. This so, is what you get for knowing people. <laughs> well, I gotta keep. Um, I don't know. Why do you make me do these terrible things? So sorry in advance, everybody. So it's Wharfside. I gotta write it down, otherwise I forget. Um. It's Avalanche and... Bottom of the Night. Bottom of the Night. Okay. Whichever one you keep is your new favorite best friend. And whichever one you burn, you're severing a tie there. You'll never be featured inside of another game again, Tiff. You know what's really tough is that I've played two of these and not played one. So I've played Wharfside and I've played Bottom of the Night, but I haven't played Avalanche on Yeti Mountain. So it's almost like I want to... Sorry, Matt Wolf. I want to burn your game because, like, I don't know what I'm missing. You're also upsetting Adam McIver. <laughs> oh, no, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so now you know where you stand in my world, guys. Um, but I don't know. Like, Wharfside I could probably live without as a game. No offense, guys, but I have just regular old fleet, and I'm fine with that. So I know I'm going to keep Bottom of the Ninth because I'm in it, and I love that game. It's just so good. So me and Daryl <laughs> will remain friends. So that's good. Me, Daryl, and Mike are all friends now. Uh, Wharfside and Avalanche on the Indie Mountain, I don't know. Um, Do you burn a game you've never played? Yeah, well, I mean, I've sold games I've never played. I've traded games that I've never played because they sat on my shelves for too long. But um, this is tough. I'm going to burn Wharfside because I like Fleet better. Can you hear the cries from Michigan? They'll be all right. They have tough skins. They're engineers. They understand the logic of my choice. I know. <laughs> I can hear Matt now. Like, yeah, of course you you get rid of our game. Makes yeah. Sense. So I think that's that's good. So me and Matt, Matt Wolf is important in my life. He's inspired me to be a hipster. So we got to. That's true. He's your hipster mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you trade his game away. I have to trade it. I can I can <laughs> I can play it some other way. It's still. A All game. right. You did it. I did it. Oh, I get to do one now, huh? You get to do one now. Yep. All right. We go round robin like so, this. So I'll do my since Dan hasn't had to decide yet. I'll do Dan's. So I don't. I had already picked <sighs> these before we talked about theming. So this is just random games that I think it would be hard for Dan to choose between. So you have to choose between Village, My Village, and Baseball <laughs> and Baseball Highlights. Interesting. Yeah, I know they're not like all Keep similar. Village, Trade Baseball Highlights, Burn My Village. Done. Burn My Village? Now, see, I didn't no, see that coming. Village comment. is 20 times better. Oh. Plus it has two expansions. Yeah, but you haven't even played those expansions. Like, I thought exactly. you liked My I Village enough. Them. I'm I... keeping them. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. I thought you Dan... might like my village enough to, to keep that one. All right. Not of her village. Dan no. plays keep trade burn, like removing a band aid, but really deep down, he's it hurts. Hmm. He's sad about it. No, yeah, that, on... that was a kick between the legs, but it wasn't that bad. See, you seem fine. That's disappointing. Village I will did never it wrong. leave my collection, ever. I love that game too much. Okay, fair enough. But I appreciate it, Tiff. <laughs> so which one did you burn? My village. And you traded away your Game of the Year baseball highlights? Yeah, I'll probably just trade it to Mike. <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> it's only two poles players. Are like, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold a two-player game over village. But Ben has village. Smee has village. Doesn't matter. Nobody has matter. baseball highlights because nobody would pay full price for that empty box. Uh-oh. Let's not start a thing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right, Dan, you're up. All right, Tiff. I'm gonna make you. Uh, I'm gonna make you pick. Between a few of your loves. Okay. I think I already know the answer. Cthulhu Pandemic. I don't think this one's that hard, but I'm going to make you choose between three of Mr. Launius's games. <laughs> oh, Richard. First one, Defenders of the Realm. Second one, Arkham Horror. Oh. Third one, Run, Fight, Die. This one's kind of easy-ish. Oh. I'm surprised. It's easier. It's defenders easier. of Cthulhu, Defenders of Zombies, and Defenders of Magic. Uh, although, I, I would have a little... Okay, I would definitely get rid of Arkham Horror. I'm never going to play that game again, ever. This is the whole premise for me doing this. I just wanted to hear you say that. So. Oh, <laughs> Eldritch Horror completely replaces it, and that's the kind of game that I'm glad I had the experience of playing it, but I'm not entirely in love with that. Dan plays Keep Trade Burn just to hear people say, yeah, no, I'd burn Arkham Horror. Yep, he's not good. Uh, you fell right into my trap, Tiff. Okay, well, I'm glad I can right into it. make you happy. I don't um, care about the rest of your answers now. All right. <laughs> and that's it for the show. Okay. Kidding. Go ahead. Um, so the, the choice is between Defenders of the Realm, which is really one of the games that I am like really got into when I first started gaming. So it's an important game in my heart. Uh, and Run, Fight, or Die, I really like to play. But here's the thing about this. I have Defenders of the Last Stand coming from Kickstarter. So I might, I could possibly get rid of Defenders of the Realm for Defenders of the Last Stand and still be okay and still have, still, I don't know. That's tough. No, nope, I, I got to keep Defenders of the Realm and I trade away Run, Fight, or Die. That's fair. I wish Richard was here to hear that, but he doesn't like to be on video. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's shy. No, he's not. He's Richard's very not shy. shy. He's sitting right next to me. He's over here rolling some <laughs> dice in the corner. <laughs> so excited. Maybe one day. Tiffany B. Oh, am I doing one for you now? Yep. It comes back to you. Yeah. If you get burned, you get to burn. <laughs> All right. Um. So I chose... See, and here's the other thing. We need to make a geek list or some kind of list of keep trade burns that we've already done. Because these usually center around games that are our favorites or games that we talk about a lot. So I tried to go for new-ish games, but all right. That's why I tried to theme it a little bit. Yeah, I'm not good with the themed ones. I need to be. I need it to be wide open, oddly enough. So all right, all right. Here's here's what I got. Um, so Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix. All right. Um, Born. <laughs> Legendary Encounters, <laughs> Alien. And, oh, crap, I didn't even write down the third one. What was it? Oh, no. Is it a card game? It was. These are all card games. Yeah, yeah. Well, bring I, it on. never mind. I, don't, I didn't write down the third card game, and I can't remember it, so let's make it Pandemic Legacy. But I'm not done Pandemic Legacy. Exactly. Stop it. <laughs> no. When will this episode air? <laughs> I don't know. So people won't I'll have charge. already finished it? I can just uh, no, no, pretend no. It's like immediate. it's the future? It happens now. now. 
No. Uh, that's that sucks a lot. Because okay. I didn't finish. I didn't. I still have to beat Alien Four in Alien Encounters. Ben and I didn't finish hard. yet. Ugh. I love card games too so much. I know you do. I had a list of card games, but I somehow didn't write down that third one. So there's another one out there. Could have been anything. Yeah. Netrunner, Lord of the Rings. Well, you already traded Netrunner, didn't you? So I don't yeah, think that one's but fair. I miss it so much. <laughs> all right, quit stalling. I, all right, let's go. Let's go Dan style. Oh god, I don't want to keep Pandemic Legacy to play it two more times and then have to burn another game that I could play a hundred more times. This is the very predicament that people always say about Pandemic Legacy that I've been defending. <laughs> and now I'm put in this position. <laughs> no, no, 24 times, you know, whatever, you know, we play it a whole lot. Um, can we loophole and I trade this to one of the people that I'm playing Pandemic Legacy Oh my with? gosh, you guys are the cheatiest. Yeah, but it gets things done. Trading Pandemic Legacy to Steve, Kel, or Ben. <laughs> done. Keeping Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. Burning Alien Encounter. Oh, or, that's sad. Yeah, mm, but you have it, so we can just play it together, right? I, I'm in Ohio. Oh, I forgot. That's <laughs> awful, remember? Yeah. I just wanted to hear you say, but I'm in Ohio, and be sad about it. Yeah, I think that's got to be it. Because Ashes is expandable. The expansions are coming out. And Firefly Legendary Encounters is coming out, and I can just get that. That'll be cool. All right. And I will trade. Yeah, I'll cheat. I'm cool with cheating. <laughs> Totally fine. Not one of my gaming pet peeves. I would just like so. to point out that I'm the only one who didn't find some weird loophole. I'm honest. Yeah, I have integrity. Burned a friend. I didn't find a loophole, and I did mine in 25 seconds. <laughs> Proud of you, Dan. All right, Dan. Thank I'll you. do this one in 25 seconds. This is themed. It's burning one of your prettiest games or burning one of your most well-crafted games, I guess I should say. You have to choose between The Gallerist Eeky! and Carson City Deluxe Box. Uh, uh, keep Carson City, trade the Gallers. He does it with such efficiency. It hurts me. Sometimes you just need to get it over with. No, Why would you I um. Uh, you haven't played it. Uh, well, exactly. It doesn't like Tiff. I used Tiff logic before. <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't played it, it doesn't hurt me. Um, the Gallerist is a very niche kind of. I don't know if I could get everyone to play that. Carson City, I think, is fun, and I think a lot of people, a lot more people, could get into that. So I would rather have that around. You need to stop burning games before I get to play them. I want to play them too. <laughs> True. All right. We That's Carson City. Well, that was way easier than I was expecting it to be. Boom. And we that, did it. That's because I like soulless games, so there's nothing for me to cling on to. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. So he says, Dan is my gaming pet peeve. <laughs> Just him as a human. Uh, that brings us to the end of episode 39 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers and our very first pilot live show. Sorry that it's in two parts if you're watching the video. <laughs> uh, we thank you all for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, first of all, you can find us on places like YouTube. We're going to be live streaming some more shows. Please provide us feedback on how the video feed went. If we can do anything via the video medium that could be more beneficial to you as a watcher, not only as a listener. If you are a listener, let us know if me referencing the chat room is confusing and I can do that in a better way. So yeah, we're hoping that this will be a good positive move for the show. But of course, as everything we do, uh, we want it to be beneficial to you, the listeners. So let us know. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can go over to the BGG Guild, number 2077, and ask for some geek gold to buy a tiny meeple shield. And Dan, we do have an individual in there who needs some geek gold, so get over there and help, help a brother out. 
And if you are so kind to use BGG, we would love if you would vote for us, if you like the show, obviously, for the Golden Geek Best Podcast. Um, Dan has a link on the Twitter. If you go over to at League Nonsense, you can see a link to just go over to the voting. Um, if you need some geek gold to vote, maybe we can help you out with that. We can work that out. Uh, but we, I mean, if our show is good and people think so, we'd love to have the votes. You know, it's a positive move for our show. Hopefully it can help us get, get recognized. That would be great. Um, so check that out. Golden Geek over on BGG. Uh, make sure that you vote for the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Not the League of Nonsensical Gamers. They, there's the hiccup, and for some reason, our game club is up there, too. So vote for the podcast. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram or use the hashtag, uh, hashtag Nonsensical Gamers. We have over 700 photos over there, uh, including the photos that we use for our reviews, which are professionally done by Mike, and also just the casual ones from our game nights. Definitely something to check out. And if you use the hashtag, feel free. Uh, we'll check out your gaming photos, too. Let's uh, Let's share there. Uh, and if you like the show, we ask you again for a little bit more help with some iTunes reviews. Uh, they help us get noticed, they help us improve the show, and they are good for our health and my mental health and well-being. Uh, so that would be great for some iTunes reviews. We appreciate it. If people want to chat with us directly, Twitter is the plus, uh, Twitter is the best place to do that. Tiff, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Uh, they can see me on Twitter at, at ineptgamer, and I also created a new email because we're starting these videos on the YouTube channel. I'll have the first one up this week. Uh, it's askineptgamer at gmail.com. If you have questions about starting a board game club, gaming with teenagers, that sort of thing, or you just want to know more about what I'm doing, uh, send your emails there and I'll answer your questions on the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's another plug for the YouTube. Go over, check out Tiff's uh, responses to your questions and also check out Hair her uh, Board of Education segments, which will be posted up there slowly. Um, that's something that she does for the Dice Tower that we will be showing on our, our YouTube, too. Tiff's doing good stuff. Dan, if people want to chat with you, how do they do that? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Ned. You can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us. We will chat with you next time. Don't shake your head at me, Tiff. Mm -hmm. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.